0: Before we get too far into this podcast, thank you to the folks at Race Tech. Pulp 22 is the code to save. Well, it's going to be Pulp 23 real soon. Tell me, listen to Pulp Amex Show. Tell me, listen to Steve Mathis. They'll give you a discount. Racetech.com, Privateer Proven. They've been in the game for a long, long time and they can make your bike work better. Get your suspension oil changed. Get the right spring rate for your weight and or speed. And uh, Race Tech can help you out. And also, they'll sign an NDA. And they'll do your motor work for you. Uh, They have a lot of CNC machines and uh, certainly on the cutting edge of what's working in our sport, both suspension and motors, race tech. Thanks to the folks at All Balls Racing, whether it's hot cams, whether it's hot rods, whether it's vertex pistons, AllBallsRacing.com has got everything you need for your bike. Great prices as well. Go there. go Order it through, order it through Motorsport. The, the quality of the parts are fantastic. I've used it in all of my vintage builds and uh, along with my own bike. So please check out AllBallsRacing.com and be much more satisfied with some of the pricing and product that you can get from those guys. All right, on to the show. A
1: Pulp
2: MX Network production.
1: Welcome to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show presented by Maxxis Tires, Renthal, Motosport.com, and Kuba Links on RacerXOnline.com.
0: Thanks for listening to the Fly Racing Racer X podcast with uh, John Wessling and Alex Martin, com. We took your questions. Uh, I've got some of my own, and uh, those guys gave us the answer. So thanks for uh, listening, man. Thank you to Fly Racing, FlyRacing.com, their formula helmet. Second to none, super safe. Uh, super lightweight a bunch of different models would have different shells and same technology inside of it conehead eps rion technology look it up man on fly racing and read about maybe the safest helmet out there absolutely great and of course i got lines of gear for everybody from the f16 all the way up to the evo uh light as well and i got the boa stuff on a couple of lines as well um and off-road gear patrol stuff Boots that Chris Bloss wore down in Australia to win a supercross title. Lots of things going on at Fly Racing, and please check them out. Thanks for those guys for coming on board. All sorts of colors and all sorts of designs. They'll definitely make you happy, and they got a lot of stuff on the website casual wear, of course, mountain bike stuff, uh, watercraft stuff, all of that. FlyRacing.com. Thank you to the folks at Renthal, Maxis, Cobalinks, and Motorsport.com. Renthal, most trusted brand in the pits today. Red Bull KTM. Factory Honda, Factory Kawasaki, yeah, big things coming from the folks at Renthal. Chains, sprockets, grips, seven-eighths bar, oversized bar. You know the name if you've been riding for a long enough, and you've probably used something from Renthal over the years. Thanks to Renthal uh, for coming on board this podcast, and uh, great company over there in the UK. Really, really good stuff. Thank you also to Maxis.com. Uh, whether it's the tires that Jeremy McGrath developed, they got some new stuff coming real soon as well. Mountain bike tires, like truck tires, Maxis.com probably haven't thought of maxis for your dirt bike for a while well time to start thinking about maxis they make some really good quality stuff good prices as well all of this whether it's fly Renthal, Maxis, available at um motorsport.com and um we'll tell you more about motorsport.com and Kobo links later in this show but for now let's listen to john wesling alex martin take some of your questions give us some answers help us be better human beings on and off the uh the racetrack shall we all right let's get started before we get too far into this podcast thank you to the folks at racetech Pulp 22 is the code to save. Well, it's going to be Pulp 23 real soon. Tell me listen to Pulp MX Show. Tell me listen to Steve Mathis. They'll give you a discount. Racetech.com, privateer proven. They've been in the game for a long, long time, and they can make your bike work better. Get your suspension oil changed. Get the right spring rate for your weight and or speed. And uh, Racetech can help you out. And also, they'll sign an NDA. And they'll do your motor work for you. Uh, they have a lot of CNC machines and uh, s- certainly on the cutting edge of what's working in our sport, both suspension and motors, race tech. Thanks to the folks at All Balls Racing, whether it's hot cams, whether it's hot rods, whether it's vertex pistons. AllBallsRacing.com has got everything you need for your bike. Great prices as well. Go there. Go Order it through, order it through Motorsport. The, the quality of the parts are fantastic. I've used it in all of my vintage builds and uh, along with my own bike. So please check out AllBallsRacing.com and be much more satisfied with some of the pricing and product that you can get from those guys. All right. On to the show. All right, everybody. Let's get right into this with a couple of guys very knowledgeable about training and nutrition and how to go really fast on a dirt bike? Uh, the uh, the owners of TrollTraining.com. First up, uh, he is the troll train. He is the man. Uh, he has uh, stood on the podium at Supercrosses. He's won nationals. Hi, uh, hung up the boots now. It's Alex Martin. What's up, troll? How are you, man?
3: Dave, what's happening? I'm I'm excited for uh, the topic of conversation tonight. This is going
0: to be fun. Yeah, it's always. I mean, look, you you're fresh out of uh, a racing, a long career. Um, and you've always uh, been into this stuff, so I imagine, Alex, without the um, the training or uh, the, the riding, I should say, and and all of that going on, you have more time to kind of dedicate to troll training.
3: Yeah, no, it's it's been um, kind of a pleasant, a pleasant change of pace. Um, I've been enjoying the kind of the day to day troll training stuff with the athletes. Um, John and I, we we talk almost every day, and it's um, it's basically all training related, and you know that's kind of how. I guess troll training was founded It's just john and i we have very similar views and passions for health and fitness and um it's been nice because i'm not waking up every morning and having to worry about skimming a set of whoops or hitting a quad or you know whatever it is like i wake up and maybe put my running shoes on or something it's a little bit more relaxing less anxiety you know
0: <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely also on the line uh alex's partner in this and a, and a trainer for a long time in the sport as well. And uh, maybe not Michael Brandes level Strava, but it's still pretty impressive. John Wessling, what's up, John? How are you?
2: (laughs) What's up, Steve? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Um, Yeah, I'm I'm stoked to be doing this. Uh, Yeah, my Strava is definitely not that impressive. Uh, That guy's that guy's wild, man. That's
0: next level. It's insane. Yours is good though. You're up there in uh, in Park City, so you have some epic climbs and uh, amazing rides going on for the most part. So, Um, yeah. So I don't know who 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 uh, who's the the lawyer out of you two, but Thursday, Mr. Phil Nicoletti threatening a lawsuit over the name troll training. Uh, I don't know how you guys want to address this, but um, you know there is there is some litigation maybe coming. He's very angry that he gave the name troll and you guys are running with this, Alex. So I don't know.
3: Uh Phil. 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 Yeah. Yeah, who's Phil? Okay. (laughs) never heard of him.
0: All right, okay. Well, I'm just saying, just look, keep an eye open. He's upset that that you guys are running with this (laughs) name. So, uh, no, hey, listen, uh, you guys came on the Pulp Show this year, and uh, so we've been doing some plugs, and Alex, you're going to come on when the season starts and start, you know, kind of give us your thoughts on the races as we go on. Um, Mm -hmm. So people are getting to know this. Alex Ray uh, tweeted today about how good it's been. Uh, I'll start with you, John. Um, Yeah, it seems like this is – if you are serious as a as a rider about getting in shape, vet rider, beginner rider, top amateur, and you don't need babysitting, then this thing's working out really well for those guys.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's really it's been a really good response. And I think that's, Alex and I are really, our, our whole goal with everything was to, um, you know, make this uh, a, something that you don't have to, you know, take a second mortgage out on your house for to get high-level training in the industry. And it's kind of been... You know the industry norm, and not that these trainers aren't worth it, um, but it's kind of been the industry norm that you can really only afford really good training if you're on a factory bike or um, you know make factory money. So it's it's been really awesome, and yeah, having tons of privateers and and just really anybody we can help—that's everybody—and um, we've really enjoyed it, and I think. Um, you know, with Alex's experience and my experience, we you know it's kind of yin and yang as far as what we can offer, and it's it's been a lot of fun.
0: I'm curious, Alex. Do you guys? So you know, you get a you get a submission on the website trolltraining.com, um, and I don't. I, how do you guys divide that up, or or do you divide it up? Do, does uh alex you take the more pro guys and john you take the vets or or is it like hey it's just my turn let's put him on this program to start he's this serious he wants this kind of monitoring like how do you guys alex divide up the the workload
3: um yeah no that's a good question it's kind of i mean kind of as much as 50 50 can be you know we Mm -hmm. kind of split it right down the middle with the workload um A lot of the web questions that come through the website, I'll answer those because it's not like we're getting bombarded too much, you know, Um, and a lot of it's kind of like what we're going to answer tonight, just general training questions and stuff. So, um, I mean, that's easy, but, um, you know, I'm I'm obviously taking on a little bit more of it now, but like when I was racing for, because I mean, basically troll training has been around for two years now. Um, We just celebrated our two year anniversary in December and you know, while I was racing, John was really doing pretty much all the programming mm-hmm. and all that stuff. So, um, you know, that's just because with, with me racing full-time, like, I obviously didn't have the time for it. And also, um, you know, just it was kind of out of my wheelhouse, whereas, like, I've really tried to pick up the slack, you know, the last few months and stuff. But for right. the most part, I mean, like I said earlier, John and I are communicating uh, almost daily just because there's so many you know there's so many things that pop up in our athletes plans like you know one week they're getting ready for arena cross supercross like and mm-hmm. they throw even more into it like you know we have people you know over in europe or canada so it's like you kind of have to pay attention to what series they're racing or like the snow cross guys mm-hmm. you know there's a race in canterbury in minnesota coming up in a couple weeks so it's like yeah it's a it's a very becoming a much more hands-on job for sure <laughs>
0: John, he says he picks up the slack. Meanwhile, he's in the Alps for three weeks hiking. So I don't, I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just saying he's, he's in the, he's in the Matterhorn for three weeks. Him and Kelsey. Hey, you know. Hey, but
3: John can vouch. We were sending welcome emails and we were replying to emails when we were over there.
0: Okay. All right. Fair enough. Yeah.
3: Yeah. No. Al. Al. Um, I, I wasn't sure
2: really what to expect when he retired because he's very, he's really knowledgeable about this stuff and that's kind of been known, but. I wasn't sure kind of, you know, how much he would really latch onto it and if it would take off, but I mean, he's more than pull his weight. So it's been, it's been really fun. And for me, I've kind of been in it so long, um, that I've really enjoyed teaching somebody, you know, the things I I've learned and the things that I know, and then, you know, getting his insight also on top of it, we really have learned a lot from each other. And, um, you know, I, like Michael Jordan doesn't make necessarily the best coach. And that's kinda of how I look at Al. Like Al's mm-hmm. kind of been there, done that with a lot of different levels of racing and a lot of different styles and you know, from privateer all the way up to the top notch. So I, I think he has really good experience from pretty much anybody we're training.
0: Right. Uh John, what do you see the most mistakes made? Like diet, nutrition, or you know, the actual training, the physical activity somebody's doing on or off the bike. Uh well let's go. We can divide that up. Off the bike training, on the bike riding, or like diet nutrition, where do you see the most mistakes made when someone just says, Hey, this is what I'm doing?
2: I think um I think generally the industry puts a way too much emphasis on nutrition mm-hmm. and not enough emphasis on quality training. Um and so yeah, I think off the dirt bike training um is definitely overlooked a little as far as what, you know, an athlete is doing. Um, Cause on the bike, you know, you're, there's only one way to go fast on the dirt bike and that's, you know, pretty much putting your, your body through the absolute limits. Um, but off the bike, you know, there's a million ways you can do
0: it. Okay. Yeah. So that's kind of what you see out there. Um, mm-hmm. All right. So we, we asked for some questions on the show and on social and uh, we got a whole bunch, so we can dive into the uh, into the emails. I don't know how you guys want to divide up the answers for this, or so if you want to both chip in or, or whatever. But um, yeah, let me know. All right. So the first one from Chuck: uh, Hey, Alex and Steve. It doesn't say John here, but I'm sure he means it. Uh, he's a vet guy. He's 35 years old. He's got a few questions. When training during the week, how often do you go on road bike rides? How long should they be? And what do you eat during race day? Let's let's tackle the. Training during the week. How often do you go on road bike rides, and how long should they be? Vet guy, thirty-five years old. We're going to assume Chuck has a job.
3: <laughs> yeah, no. So Steve's kind of answer your question. Uh, John and I figured we'd kind of tag team the questions. Okay. Um, just to kind of, I think, best answer it. Like, you know, I'll answer a little bit from my perspective, and then with him, you know, follow up if there's anything I missed. But
0: uh, okay, sounds good.
3: Yeah, John. John, do you want to start with this one? Um. Yeah, go. Why don't you go ahead and I'll I'll,
2: uh, I'll touch on the how like the road bike. I guess yeah. I guess I can answer. What what was the first one again? Just so I have the right order.
0: Uh, when training during no, the week, no. how often do you go on road bike rides, and how long should they be? And okay. again, we're yeah. gonna, we're going to assume this guy has a job, so we're not. You know, he's a, he's a vet guy. So
2: yeah, we'll just we'll just go with that. They're in the off season right now, so they're not racing. And um, so for to answer that, I would say. Um, you know, it doesn't need to be road biking necessarily. It could be any form of cardio. Uh, that's kind of the beauty in training for moto is, um, you can do, you know, you can row, you can skier, you can run, you can cycle. And it has, you know, your heart doesn't really know what you're doing. It just beats. Mm-hmm. So with that, I, I would say in the off season for sure, you know, four days a week, you should be doing cardio. Um, and, and that could be anything from intervals, base training, um, you know, just going out for a super easy recovery workout. Um, so for for him, I think, you know, if he's a road cyclist, or if he enjoys road cycling, uh, you know, four days a week, maybe four to six hours of training uh, total with, with that.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Fair enough. And uh, w- what are you eating during race day? Uh, I'll answer this one. Yeah.
3: Well, I was going to kind of elaborate on John saying that this is kind of the hard part of like, uh, you know, it's a very general, like this vet guy, he's 35 years old, but we don't necessarily know what, like, does he have a strong cycling background? Like, what is his training history? Like, is he just started training on a, on a road bike in the last year? Mm-hmm. Um, so we could recommend like four to six hours, but I mean, maybe that's like at his absolute limit. You know, maybe he has a nine to five job and he has to get up at 4am every day just to get his hour bike ride in, you know? So there's a lot of like, a li- lot of layers to that question, sure. too, you know? Yep. Um, but yeah, so kind of on the eating, that's also a very general one too, because for racing, we have athletes that, man, they don't, they don't tolerate protein or like maybe meat like chicken very well on race day. And then there's other people that maybe just are just fine with like peanut butter and banana sandwich, you know? So, um, I mean, I always say like the best thing to do to figure out on, you know, for eating is just to try it in your training sessions and your practice sessions during the week and you know bring a peanut butter and jelly sandwich to the track see how your stomach handles that and then one day maybe bring a turkey and avocado sandwich so for me personally in my racing career i found that like um sourdough or gluten-free bread and like turkey avocado mayo or mustard like that type of sandwich suited me really well and i always felt like i had a really strong second moto when i would have that combination so okay um, you know, and then like amino acids, I really like essential amino acids and electrolytes. John's really big on electrolytes. So and, and another thing, too, is just carbohydrates, like really making sure you're having enough carbs. Because when we ride a dirt bike, we're zone five, very high heart rate. So um, those are definitely, yeah. You know, like I said, there's a lot of layers to it.
0: Is there is the old you want to eat carbs 24 hours before the race? Is that a rule still? I remember it was it was for me growing up. But are we are we smarter than that now?
2: Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I I mean, I think the big thing is is if you're racing dirt bikes, you you pretty much want a a relatively high carb diet. Like if you're if you're doing a low carb or a keto diet, like you're for sure not reaching your potential.
3: Yeah. So, hey and I would love to elaborate on this because John and I have had this conversation over the years because I've went down the rabbit hole, Steve, of you know keto and um, all this stuff and. At the end of the day, there's, there's a lot of research behind, like, keto and these diets, right, for health and longevity. But there's a real difference between a health diet and, like, a performance diet. Mm-hmm. If you are a high-performance athlete, having a banana or some carb is is very much going to help you, you know.
0: Okay. All right. By the way, um, I don't know, Alex, if I ever told you this, but when I came back from surgery, I got back on the bike, and John really talked me off a ledge. So, John, I'm all I'm – better it's almost like what you knew what you were talking about when i was telling you about my heart rate on my rides and you were like yeah that's normal it's gonna get better and it did so good job john
2: <laughs> <laughs> thank you thank you
0: yeah i was yeah. i was really getting worried there when i was doing 160 heart rate and uh and and not even barely riding so yeah
2: yeah 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 what happened is his heart was just like he didn't train for a while so his part was so fresh you know and he just like, you probably just walk up a flight of stairs and it spikes, you know, versus when you're – it's a little more suppressed from training. It's, It stays nice and low where you want
0: it. Yeah, I took eight weeks off the bike. So I was eight weeks off doing anything and then uh, started and kind of went on my normal rides and was losing my mind and thinking my life was over.
2: Yeah, so just give it time.
0: <laughs> right, right. Uh,
2: uh, something else, sorry, one more thing oh, on yeah, that. So, yeah, with, with the food stuff, um, on race day, you want stuff that's super – um, digestible So white rice is really good Like Al said, sourdough bread is really good um, You don't want Like pasta Or something that's super heavy um, So the carbs do matter on race day For sure, like even just having a bowl of rice Is better than I would say 99% of um, You know, most people's food Choices on race day
0: I see a lot of pasta on race day, guys And you know that it's out there Yeah. Yeah Yeah Okay. Yeah,
3: it's, it, it's fine, but I think you need to be careful with, like, uh, fiber, like high-fiber stuff, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe just not, like, dumping, you know, loads and loads of marinara and meat sauce okay. on the pasta, right?
0: Okay. <laughs> All right. You know? Fair enough. Uh, next question from Brandon here. Uh, when training for outdoors, what do your macro ratios usually look like? Who wants to take that one?
2: I've never raced outdoors.
3: Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, no. So, Brandon, um, macronutrients this is kind of John and I were actually talking about this earlier as we were like previewing the comments. And, um, see, in, in moto especially, it seems like there's this, this really big stigma around nutrition and, and macronutrients and these fad diets and this and that, and vegan. And it's like, I guess, like, I can't just speaking off of 15 years in the sport of experience, like everything in moderation, right? Like a little bit of protein, a little bit of carbs, a little bit of fat. Like mm-hmm. I never measured anything. I just generally gauged it off of like, if I had a big day plan, let's say a, a 30 minute warm up run, I went to the track, rode like a sandbox riding mm-hmm. with Kenny, Chase and Adam in the, in the golden years. And we had two 35 minute motors on the docket. I made sure I brought more carbs and more food to support the training that day. But then in, the next day, if it was a recovery day, I would just eat less. So, I was very much just kind of analyzing how I felt day to day and kind of intuitively, you know, and obviously stepping on the scale and like, okay, making sure we're not, you know, 10, 15 pounds overweight, but like I never really measured the macronutrients. I just paid attention to how I was feeling with the training each day. So
0: Okay. Uh, Second question. Brandon says he has found when he is training hard before the season, he's very sore on track days, which causes him to ride slower, fatigue faster. Is that usually how it is until you taper off before the season starts? If he rides three days a week and take off the day before a race uh, to be fresh for a track day, that leaves two days a week to work out. So basically, he's ramping up his workload and uh, wants to know how much do you take off but you know, to, to avoid the riding slower, fatiguing faster. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a good yeah.
3: Question, yeah, that's
2: a good one. He, Brandon is overtraining. Is what he's doing. <laughs> so something that it is super common. It's it's not it's it, you know most guys that are doing this they they want the best. So it's not um, it's not a knock on you know th- their heads in the right space. Like they're trying really hard, but I think that's uh, one of the biggest things we see is is really balancing out your easy days, your hard days. Uh, like a general rule, Al and I follow is you really shouldn't be riding more than two days in a row straight if you're riding hard. Um, you know, the sports already dangerous. The last thing you want to do is be extra fatigued, you know, coming into your fourth day of riding and, and do something stupid that you wouldn't have done if you were fresh. Um, and so it's, it's very common and, and same with training, like something I always preach to guys is your training should enhance your riding. And there's obviously going to be days you're tired riding, um, uh, especially in the off season, but come race day, um, if you're super fatigued or super short, sore from a strength workout, you definitely need to figure out how to balance all that so you're not super sore. Your, your race day, you should be very fresh and feel really good.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, any, anything on that, Al? Yeah,
3: yeah. This is um, kind of a topic I feel like near and dear to my heart because clearly, Brandon, like you know, John said, he's very serious. He's analyzing his macronutrient ratios. Uh, he's trying to get more, more training each week. But um, the biggest thing I would say is for – you know, and obviously we don't know what he's doing each week, but um, slowing down the cardio sessions, like John was really key in, in, in my career in telling me this, like slow the, slow the running and the cycling down, make it more of an aerobic session, stay away from building up lactic acid, which creates byproducts, aka muscle soreness, um, because basically when you're slowing down, you're still getting the cardio benefits of training your heart and your lungs but you're not creating all that metabolic damage in your muscles that makes you sore, that makes you tired, you know? And when you, when you start to do that like day after day, week after week, that's when you kind of see the Epstein bar and that stuff. And it's, it really takes a lot of like, um, I don't know, patience to, to like take it easy. And like, if you're on the bike path, like let the old guy in the e-bike go, you know, <laughs> you don't, you don't have to get the KOM, you know, going up your local hill. Yeah. Um, you know, save that, that, high-intensity, high-energy effort for the dirt bike or, like, the intervals that you have scheduled, you know?
0: Right. Okay. So. It,
2: it, it's something that everybody goes through. Like, Al and I, we've done it, too. Um, everybody does it. it. It's, it's you know, what Brandon's doing is is literally what every good athlete does, and the only way you can learn is doing it the hard way, unfortunately, because we're all too stubborn to listen to anybody. <laughs> so it's it's one of those things where you really, uh, like Al said, you, you just have to – it takes way more – um you know patience and and willpower in my opinion, to do your easy days and your hard days its it 's not really hard if you 're motivated to go hammer your head out, but you know to go really slow and you know let the old guy on the e bike pass you that's that 's uh you know a dagger to most people 's hearts
0: that would be me i 'm the old guy on the e bike <laughs> just, just, just let me go um, all right frank 's got a question for Alex, not really a training question, but what was alex martin's favorite memory? On JGR-MX, I love his mechanic, Lee McCullum from Frank. What's your favorite memory at JGR?
3: Oh, Frank. Um, man, I don't know. It's, it's tough to say it. one memory that sticks out. I had such a good time on that team. That was probably some of the most enjoyable two years of my career. It was such a fun group of guys that, you know, Coy um, had assembled, him and J-Bone and that group. That It was just really fun day in and day out. Like, I spent a lot of time up there testing in Charlotte, you know, living on Phil's couch in his apartment, and um, gosh, was, yeah, those were a really fun two years. I wouldn't, I don't know if anything really sticks out, but I, I really enjoyed my mechanic Lee. He's a good dude, and yeah, I missed that team.
0: Right, absolutely. And the bike was pretty good. You know, pulled some starts for you, and yeah, bike was pretty good.
3: Yeah. I gotta say though, if I had to, for for a moment perspective, like winning Loretta's in the mud or jump on the Rock was leap on a Suzuki two fifty.
0: Okay, there. all right, yeah. The
2: the
0: last one to jump the leap on the Suzuki 250. Yeah, probably. Uh, Dawson's got a question. Hey, Troll and John, how many days do you recommend riding during the week for a full-time moto guy? He tries to ride Monday, Tuesday, off Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and off on the weekends or at the races as well on days off. What kind of recovery or active recovery should I be doing? Judging by your last answer to the question, John, He's riding too much. He he tries to ride Monday, Tuesday, off Wednesday, ride Thursday, Friday, and off at the weekends.
2: Yeah, I I think in the off season that's about right. Um, okay, that that's kind of our general programming for professionals, and it's for especially for Supercross. I would say that's that's what you want, just because um, you know it's not quite as physically demanding, and uh, you're not dealing with the heat and all the elements. So for Supercross, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday is perfect having the weekends off, we, you know, I recommend taking one day off completely a week. Um, And sometimes physically you don't need the day off, but it's, it's really nice mentally to, you know, do your laundry or go to the grocery store and just kind of get ready for the week. Um, So the days he's not riding it are good days. Like Al was saying to do the aerobic training. So the low heart rate and for a lot of people, like when we say aerobic, we're talking, you know, for the average moto guy, like nine to 12 minute mile running. So it's very slow pedestrian pace. Mm -hmm. Um, and and it's, it's not, it doesn't feel very hard and it shouldn't feel very hard. Um, but over time you'll build up, um, you know, better oxygen transportation in your body and and that pace will go up. It's, it's not like you're going to go from a, you know, a 10 minute mile pace to a six minute mile pace in a year, but it definitely will get faster.
0: Okay, and then uh, on the, on days off, what kind of recovery or active recovery should I be doing? I guess you just kind of answer, answered that, right? Yeah. Very, very light. Yeah, uh, yeah, very light.
2: Yeah, light, light. And, and that's why road cycling so good. And, and to go back to the first question, you um, Brandon was talking about cycling, and it's cycling is really the position of cycling is not great. Like from an athletic standpoint, mm-hmm. it's, you're hunched over, your shoulders are hunched, but from an impact standpoint and being able to ride four days a week, weekend and week out, it's probably one of the best things. Um, you're outside, you know, you're getting vitamin D you're it's super low impact. Like you can, you know, there's 90 year olds that can bike no problem. And, and that's what makes it really practical for, for motocross. A lot of people, um, you know, Al likes running a lot, but a lot of people can't run like Al and race. Um, mm-hmm. so it's, it's kind of, you got to pick and choose your battles. And for most people, I would say, um, doing low, uh, low impacts, you know, rowing, skier, cycling is a lot more practical than running.
0: And, and obviously I'm, I ie bike a lot. I love mountain biking. You get the heart rate spikes. You get, you're doing a little small jumps. You're pulling up on the bars. You're constantly thinking, but then I road bike a little bit and I get the, I get the, um, the appeal to that because you can just get yourself in a cadence and just now you're like a machine with your heart and your lungs. And it's much different than mountain biking. And I guess that's why, John, most trainers before the road stuff.
2: Yeah, yeah. And I think, too, it like minus the car aspect of stuff, it mitigates a lot of risk. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is, it makes a lot more sense. Like me personally, I would way rather go mountain bike. I think Al's kind of been that boat, too. Um, but I do think for most, and you know, a lot of people are based on the East Coast, Florida, you're not going to mountain bike like you are out in SoCal. Um, so, you know, depending on where you're at, I think attributes a lot of that, but like where you're at, Steve, like e-biking on those trails is so much more fun. Yes. <laughs> you know, like yes. How, how can you possibly, uh, you know, like road biking where you're at more than mountain biking. It's, it's phenomenal trails.
0: Right. Right. Got it for sure. All right. Um, Austin says, uh, what are some good books to get into regarding nutrition, athletic fitness? What's some books you guys like to read?
3: Oh man, I have uh God, I feel like I've read a lot of books over the years um, just on training in general. Like, I feel like I, I was kind of a nerd, I guess. So I kind of gravitated towards like a lot of exercise science. i Um I'm trying to think of something off the top of my head. God. I,
2: yeah, I have um, there's, there's tons. And I don't know all the authors. My, I like uh, mental training for peak performance is good high performance habits. Uh, Peak by Dr. Um, Mark Bubbs is probably one of the best, uh, just for like an overall, overall, I don't know, like holistic view of training. It's, it's very good. Um, Born to Run's really good. Um, yeah. So
3: actually, on the Born to Run topic, so that's basically, see, that's a book about a guy that went down, I think it was New Mexico or in Mexico, and kind of studied like the Native Americans and how they ran barefoot. And oh yeah. So I, okay. I read that book back in like 2010, and like i just proceeded to run basically five half marathons, like one a year, like all in toe shoes, like vibrant toe shoes. So I was really? <laughs> yeah. So, I,
0: thought, I thought those were a yeah. gimmick. Those were those were real. They really worked. Okay.
3: Oh gosh, yeah. But I mean, I will say that's where it's like you kind of have to, you know, take everything you read with a grain of salt, right? Yeah. <laughs> Cause, you know, because you gotta you gotta be careful going down the the wormholes for sure.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah I, I'm guilty of running in those hideous shoes as well. <laughs> there,
0: there's some ex motocrossers that have clearly hit their head a lot and dispensed some advice on social media that really makes me laugh, you know? But uh, yeah, you got to watch out. They're out there. So. Uh, yeah, there's a lot
2: of information right now. It's crazy. I mean, the Internet's just exploded the information pool by, like, tenfold the last 15 years.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, John Westling and Alex Martin uh, talking about trolltraining.com, answering some uh, reader emails as well. Uh, I want to thank the folks at Renthal and Maxis. I talked about them off the top. And uh, definitely want to thank the folks at Motorsport and links as well. Motorsport.com. Go through the banner on Pulpamex or com. it takes you to motorsport and we get a small slice of whatever you order they got OEM and aftermarket parts great prices great return policy they sponsor some guy named Phil Nicoletti despite his crashing out last year they're still sticking with him so thank you to motorsport.com for the support of Phil and uh, and all things pulpamex and then Kobo links as well Alex you know what Kobo links are if you're shorter a stature you can it's a lowering suspension link for your motorcycle Wow. Yeah. So I don't know if you know anybody that's shorter that rides, but you know, uh Links can make a, make you a link, uh, and and uh, improve the confidence uh, of riding your machine, improve your cornering, and inc- increase your plushness. All that KoboLinks.com, code PulpMX, and uh, you can use the code PulpMX for a discount and uh, free shipping. KoboLinks.com. Uh, Please check that out. Uh, all right, on to some more um, emails here. Uh, let me pull this one up. You might want
3: to look into that, Al.
0: Yeah, yeah, just saying. Uh, this is from, this is from Paul. I'm retired. <laughs> you don't even ride anymore. Uh, all right, this is from Paul. He's curious about what heart rate should be at when he's training and when he's riding, and what are healthy heart rates for progress and maintenance?
3: Oh, do uh, so me mean get this one, John? Yeah, you can start it. Um, yeah. So this is. Um, I mean, ultimately, it depends what what he's training for, right? Um, kind of to elaborate earlier when we were talking about the aerobic training. Um, if you look at, let's say, like a 10-hour week of training, right? Um, you want at least 90% of that time to be, like, in a really zone one, zone two, like, easy aerobic training. Because, I mean, really, aerobic training, like not only are you training your heart and lungs to efficiently pump blood to the rest of your body, but just, like, when you look at your tendons and knees and your knees, ligaments, everything... Um, you're just kind of allowing your body to like build up to handle the higher stress stuff. Um, And then also too, like from um, just an intensity perspective, like the human body can really only handle so much intensity, right? So a lot of your training should be done low intensity just to kind of, um, you know, make your base a little bit build bigger. Right. So. um, yeah, Sorry. I was just going to say, yeah, it's like six,
2: I would tell them 60, 65% heart rate.
0: Okay, which is your uh, two twenty minus your age is max, right? Is that what we do? Is that yeah, what we do? it's yeah. very general. Okay, That's general. All right. Yeah. All right.
2: Um, and then all right. It, sorry, else? I kind of yeah. interrupted that. Sorry, Al. I, I was I wasn't sure if you were going to get to the heart rate stuff. Go
3: go ahead on that, Al. Yeah. No, I was just going to say kind of healthy heart rates for progress and maintenance. Um, I mean. I guess just it's a lot of it's going to be aerobic like the lower heart rate stuff because i feel like that's where you spend the most of your training time in like even so i the way john's like scheduled my training and done my program in the last few years um every time i was on like a bicycle or running cycling um steered the rower it was really like low heart rate stuff and then the intensity of my program came on the dirt bike um i really felt like Every time I was in the dirt bike, it was productive, it was high quality, and I was trying to get the most out of myself. And then we just kind of balanced all that intensity by, like, really easy stuff off the dirt bike. Like, there was times of the year when I would do intervals and stuff like that. Um, But I think for the most part, the bulk of your program should be kind of low heart rate stuff.
0: Okay, fair enough. Uh, Next question from Kale. Uh, He doesn't like to cook. What is something he can stuff his face hole with in the morning before a two-plus hour race, gas station and fast food options are usually the best. So he doesn't want to cook. He doesn't want to do any of that. What what can he do for a two-plus hour race?
3: Oh, I love this question. <laughs> <laughs> we we uh,
2: we just I don't know if it's up on the website yet, but I know um, overnight oats is the easy one um, that you can take on the go, which is basically just oatmeal's oh, sorry oatmeal smothered in. Uh, like almond milk or oat milk, and then you just let it sit in your fridge overnight. Um, that's a really easy one that you know you can literally just wake up and go and eat.
0: And that's at a grocery store, though. He says uh, fast food and gas station. Yeah. Well,
2: <laughs> like, yeah, I can't. I
0: can't help him. There. <laughs> well, <laughs> Please go to the just go to the grocery store for God's sake. Right.
3: Well, I was gonna say, Steve. Like, I feel like with this one, you might want to look at like, what are your life's priorities, Because uh, like. If you prep, like, a little bit, like, let's let's say you spend 30 minutes getting a meal ready the night before. So that way in the morning, on the way to track, you just take off the Tupperware of lid and you have, let's say, sourdough, eggs, and bacon, right? Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I don't know how much money you're putting into, maybe you're buying a $10,000 dirt bike each year. And who knows what entry fees and gas and everything else is. But, like, I mean, maybe you can spend 30 minutes the night before a race just prepping your, your food so that way... You know, all the other money you're putting into the sport is worthwhile.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Okay. All right. So there's no special fast food concoction that either one of you would recommend. <laughs>
2: uh, there, is, there is. Like, there is. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, we don't recommend it. But if you get like a um, – I was reading something about this, like a plain Egg McMuffin without cheese. Mm-hmm. So it's basically just bread and egg and maybe ha- a slice of ham um on there like that's like quote unquote as healthy as you can get at mcdonald's sure um for breakfast but i mean it yeah it's one of those things it's like it really doesn't take that long and it goes a lot well you know it goes way further into your day if you just eat a little put a little bit of time and eat well um but yeah i mean sorry subway and and that kind of stuff It's it's not always the best
0: right all right fair enough okay i think
3: uh And my kind of go-to, Steve, on, like, race days for nationals and supercrosses was, like, a Panera. Like, I would try and, you know, and granted, like, if he's racing, you know, out in the woods, he probably doesn't have that option. But, like, Panera, I would usually go for, like, a bacon, egg, and cheese and sourdough. That was kind of my go-to, like, on race mornings, you know, just because it was easy,
0: quick. All right. Blake says, um, what are some tips, tricks you have for staying motivated and developing a routine when first starting getting back into training? He works nine to 10 hour days. He has trouble motivating himself to do a workout or stick to a program when he only has a few hours of free time during the week while not physically draining the mental toll at work. Leaves him tired or not wanting to put an effort in. Um, and he knows he should and he regrets not doing it. This is a question, John, is, you know, for everybody out there. Right. Full time job, nine to 10 hours a day. Um, he wants to try to get motivated.
2: Yeah, this is tough. Um... And this is where, like, Al and I, we don't have any experience in this. And th- this is what's really hard is, like, how, you know, for me, the easy answer is try to get it done in the morning because when you get home from work, you're definitely not going to want to, um, you know, pound out intervals or do a heavyweight program or anything like that. So it's like if you can wake up early and get it done in the morning, that would be best. And And I think the big thing, too, is you don't have to do a ton to get – benefit um consistency is way more important than doing like you know one 100 mile bike ride a week and then you take five five six days off yeah you're you know you're better off doing like you know four 20 minute runs in the morning um four days in a row so it it's tough like i al and i and we deal with a lot of this with some of our clients and it's like i get it they these guys are exhausted um you know and you have family you have nine to ten hour work days and And really the easiest thing you can do is just listen to your body. And if, if you don't have it in you, maybe just doing a 30, 45 minute walk is, is really what you need Um, and not going out and, you know, killing yourself at the gym. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah.
3: And to elaborate on that too, I will say I've, I've kind of realized even post retirement, Steve, like exercise makes me like a better friend, a better human, a better husband, you know? So like, knowing that, you know, if you do put on the shoes and go – or go to the gym and you can get – just even if it's 20 minutes in, you know, sweating mm-hmm. a little bit. Like, there's tons of science and studies out there that just sweating a little bit and getting the heart rate up, like, it helps, you know, all, all kinds of things in your body, you know.
0: Yeah. I uh, I was getting – you know, when it gets really hot here, I have to get out, um, and I'm on the trail by 6, and then I'm done by 9, you know, back home by 9, thirty nine. And, man, it just makes you feel so much good that day. It's so much better that day. You know, it really does. It just it starts your day off well. Now, at 9 o'clock, I'm pretty damn tired at my age, right? But but um, it's cer- it certainly is a good start to the day to get up early and get, get your heart rate up. I, I agree with that yeah. 100%, you know? So. Yeah. yeah. No,
3: yeah. Oh, Go ahead, Sorry. I was going to say kind of a pro tip is, um, you know, the the days when John's got me doing intervals after, let's say, 235s or something, um, you know, and I'm kind of dragging my ass to get off the couch like a cup of coffee, you know, like don't underestimate the value of caffeine, what that can do for motivation.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, really. Where do you st- where do you guys stand on that uh, caffeine, Red Bull, that kind of stuff?
2: Oh, caffeine caffeine's great. I mean, it's it's it what it does really from a um, on a cellular level is it blocks pain receptors. OK, so you your perceived exertion is lower. Um, than what you're actually doing, so you know a lot of high-level endurance athletes, where it's like a super painful, you know, uh, say cross-country skiing or running or or something along those lines, um, they'll they'll dose up pretty heavy on caffeine just because it you know it's not like a thirty percent hedge, but it definitely gives you a couple percent. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Fair enough. Uh, all right. Here's maybe uh, not Red Bull though. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> all right. Uh, this is from Austin. He's uh he's twenty six. He's 6'2", 230. He's transitioning out of moto and into cross-country mountain bike racing. He's uh, been all in for about six months, 150 mi- 100 to 150 miles a week on, Zw- on Swift and gravel riding to train for XC events. He's done a 50-mile race, a 30-mile race. Uh, he's won a 200-pounder uh, class. Uh, obviously, my program is working in some sort of way. He says he's lost 45 pounds, but no matter what he does, he can't seem to drop under 230. Uh, the nutrition is probably 90% of where I should be, but I do eat out maybe once a week. I'm a bigger built guy thanks to my military and college football style fitness program in the earlier years. Will he ever be able to change my body composition to where I need to be for this new style of racing? Or will I just have to accept being in the 200-pound 200, 200 class forever and try to dominate there?
3: Mm-hmm. Oh, Sounds like he's getting after it.
0: Yeah, yeah, good job.
3: Yeah, that's serious. I mean, you're putting in that much
2: volume, that size, that's a lot of – you're burning a lot of calories. Uh, The bigger you are on the bicycle, the more kilojoules you burn um, per hour. So that's – I mean, I'm pretty big in cycling, and I'm 180 pounds. So that guy's –
3: he's putting out some serious power.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, So can he change? Yeah, how can he – what can he do?
3: One thing thing John's always told me is that you can't out-train a bad diet. (laughs) Right. Right, so – I mean, really, it comes down to, like, you can train 5, 10, 15 hours a week, but, like, you have to be, if you really want to get down to where, I don't know, body fat percentage wise, but, you know, where you start getting really lean, nutrition is just everything. You know, you have to be very careful with the amount of carb, especially, you know, like fried foods, french fries, pasta. Like, you kind of have to be a little careful of how much of that you're having and, Really lean quality protein, you know, and get salad, I feel yeah. like for John and I when we're kind of at our leanest, like we're having at least one salad like and a big salad like every day,
0: well, he's six two too, so he's a big guy, right, so um yeah, it'll be tough for him to do that, but you certainly can change yourself, can't you, John?
2: Oh yeah, yeah, I mean there's no doubt um and a lot of it's just uh he just might not know like little tricks and tips um and if, if, if he's listening, you know, email us. Cause this is something everybody's struggled with is we're like, man, we're putting in the work and we're doing this, that, and the other. And you just, you come to a dead end, you know, you kind of reach a good point and then you come to a dead end. It's like, okay, well, what do I do now? And it could just be, you know, um, the style you're training, you know, maybe you're not varying enough. And something we see a lot is a lot of people's their easy days and their hard days end up kind of sitting in the same, um, sitting in the same spot like their easy days are way too hard and their hard days are way too easy and you just end up training the same and then also too like al said your diet is really everything i think when you're like 16 to 20 that's not the case um uh, you can definitely get away with eating a lot of crappy food and still having a ripping six pack um but once you get you know 22 and older your, your diet is a big deal and it's you know not only from a output perspective but also from a weight perspective and a a high life quality perspective so there's always something you can work on and and we work with a company athletebloodtest.com um and something as simple as that and just seeing maybe you have a deficiency in something that's you know holding your your thyroid back from working correctly or you know something along those lines
0: yeah i'm that's kind of me i lost you know probably 100 pounds and uh put 20 back on can't seem to lose anymore but i kind of know where it is it's my diet right my i was monitoring myself for like a 1200 to 1600 calorie diet a day and i'm not there i don't really want to be it sucked um and that's where i think i'm losing it right you can't out exercise a bad diet so that's where i'm at right now i'm just kind of happy with it but you know i got epstein bar i got you know (laughs) Low t-, low t. I'm all messed up, but uh, you know. But yeah, I, it, the point being for me is I've kind of hit a plateau, and I just know it's my diet. I just know I got, if I really want to do it, I got to get back on those calorie counters and back to 1600 a day. You know, so yeah. But that's no fun. It sucks.
2: No, I I agree. It is. It's so hard, and and yeah, like you know those. Kudos on losing a 100 pounds because that's got to, I mean, it's such a long process. Like now that you've done it, it's like, oh, that was, you know, that was great. But during it, man, you're, that's a suffer fest that whole time. Yeah.
0: You know what? I was doing 100 miles a week. It was all COVID, right? So I wasn't working that much. And a lot of it was during COVID. And I was doing 100 miles a week. So I, was, I had the time to do it. And it, dude, at some point, like you just get on a roller coaster and you just start dropping it because you're just, You're doing the miles, you're limiting the calories, and you're you're waking up in the morning and you're four pounds a day. I was doing four pounds a day for a while, you know. Yeah, yeah, I was. My gosh, that's impressive. I was waking up, and I was doing losing four pounds a day for a little while (laughs) because I was just crushing it, right? But then I got Epstein bar now.
2: (laughs) It just fell off.
0: Yeah, Yeah. um, that's wild. All right, uh, this is from Kalem. Uh Hey, Alex, what is the biggest thing you learned to avoid not to do regarding training, eating for motocross? I mean, there's a lot, but what's the biggest, what's a couple big things that you should definitely not be doing? Maybe like that, maybe the like the cross-country guy, avoid the uh, gas station and, <laughs> and fast food places, but yeah.
3: Yeah, yeah, no, it's. I mean, it's tough when you're on the road to eat healthy, you know, but um. Kinda of one of the biggest things for me, and I kind of learned this the hard way is um like we used to I had a friend in Florida that would make wings all the time, and uh I remember me and Cullen Park were just like wolfing these wings down, but <laughs> he he was uh he would always fry them in like uh whatever oil that you know was good for like high temperature stuff mm-hmm. and so basically fried food right, and like I'd wake up the next morning and my face would be like all swollen and puffy. And my, my heart rate would be, like, ten fifteen beats higher on the bike ride. And um, so for me, like, I was really sensitive to fried foods. Like, so even that goes down to, like, French fries and stuff. Like, so I, I really tried to avoid that stuff just because, I mean, with training, just the natural process of training, you're already creating enough inflammation. So there's no reason to, you know, add fuel to the fire, you know.
0: All right, John, what about you? What's some of the things that not to do, big things that you see?
2: Um, for me, I would say, um, trying to limit your calories and your food, uh, while you're training. So like the, the general idea of losing weight and, and working out is, you know, you, you start fasted, you don't eat when you're working out and then you try to limit after it. And the problem with that is we're all humans, So if you start fasted, you don't eat during say like a hour workout, hour and a half workout, and then you get done with the workout everything in your pantry is gone when you get home it, it just doesn't matter how much willpower you have uh it's all gone so something that i've really learned the hard way through the years is having a massive breakfast um and then eating you know during my training sessions so then i can feel good the rest of the day and you know now that i have a a job and stuff that's very important for me so i i really and even al to this day i preach to him like you know, make sure you're eating because it's, you know, it just catches up to you so fast if you're, you know, training in the morning.
0: Right. So you have a big yeah. breakfast really, huh? Yeah.
3: Well, I mean, to that point, Steve, like I, I would pretty much like quarterly get blood testing done just in my career, just to find out like where all my levels were and stuff like that. And um, like if I needed to supplement with, let's say iron or whatever, but a big thing that I really paid attention to is my cortisol levels, which is basically your stress hormone. Mm-hmm. And when you do a lot of, Exercises and training fasted, and you're going more than like it's one thing to do like a 20 minute morning warm up fasted, but when you start doing like 30 to 60 minutes every day fasted, it's it's terrible for your testosterone and it's not good for cortisol. Just spikes cortisol levels, so you have to be really careful with that stuff.
0: So what's enough to eat? Uh, like is a banana enough? A cliff Bar? Like you talked about some oatmeal? Like what's enough to put in you
2: no that's a yeah that's a good question it depends on the workout like if you're just going out for say like a 45 minute workout maybe all you need is a banana you know that could be enough um just to get some carbohydrates and some calories in you um if you're doing a super hard workout um you know having oatmeal two to three hours before the workout you know making sure there's carbohydrates i always put like almond butter gets protein um even like for race day, mm-hmm. uh, for mountain bike races, I'll try to do about, you know, 1,000 to 1,500 calories worth of pancakes about three and a half hours before. Uh, and just to really top off everything so I don't have to worry about bonking during the race. And, and Al was always, I will say, Al was always really, really good about eating uh, on race day, probably better than anybody, him and Jeremy both. They're probably better than anybody I know. Um, about eating during outdoors on race day, and so I mean they can attest to just how much fuel you really need to get through a day.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a lot of work for motocross. All right. Um, yeah. Next question. Uh, sorry. I, oh, one more thing I want to say yeah. on that.
2: Like something we see a lot on the on the fuel side of things is in outdoors specifically is um, guys will you know they'll bonk their second moto pretty hard, and it's super common and. I'm a true believer that most people it's not a fitness ordeal. It's that they don't eat like a lot of guys that won't even have anything in between motos. Um, and not to pick on, uh, Grant Harlan, but Grant Harlan didn't (laughs) eat in between motos. And I'm like, Grant, like how do you possibly think that you're gonna have enough energy to get through 35 minutes at max effort? Um, and you know, just something, even something small, you know, makes a huge difference. So, You know, fueling your workouts, you know, is everything.
0: Right. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, Kevin wants to know, Alex and John, do you or others within the MX trainer coaching world ever incorporate mobility training for riders into their programs? Things like controlled articular rotations, pails, rails. Seems like the focus for MX is generally on seat time, cardio base, and strength training. But you never hear much about mobility-specific work, which it seems like motor guides could really benefit from both in terms of joint health over the course of a career and ability to prevent injuries during crashes?
3: Ooh, you got a science question.
0: Yeah. This
3: is, this is a good one.
0: Pails, rails, and, and cars, controlled articular rotations.
2: <laughs> yeah, this guy, this guy knows. You want to get this or you want me to Uh No, you can start, John. <laughs> so, yeah, so pails and rails is basically just isometric um movement and stretching. And so he, he hit that nail on the head. Like there is a lot of programs and a lot of people at a high level that really do just do cardio, um, strength ride. And that's kind of it. And, and so incorporating mobility is is a big, big deal. And depending on who you are, it's, it could be a bigger deal um, than somebody else. You know, if you're naturally mobile, Um, You might not have to work on it quite as much. Uh, You know, most guys have rods somewhere in their body that are racing at the highest level. So, um, you know, I'm a big believer in foam rolling and stretching and and making sure you are mobile um, to take a hit. And so we do incorporate um, quite a bit of mobility through our strength program. And it's not necessarily like a mobility session. It's kind of a combo between mobility and strength because something we really want to work on with guys is, is managing how much they're doing in a day. Cause you could really, it's, it's easy to get spun out at moto where, you know, you could be doing yoga, you could be doing stretching, strength, cardio, riding. I mean, there's a million things you can do to be better. Um, but there's only so much time. So we kind of try to, you know, kill two birds with one stone and, and kind of put it all in one, one day, um, through strength training. And then, you know, especially some of my guys, I, I really like to have sauna, um, and then stretching in the sauna or right out of the sauna. Um, I know Jmart with his, his back um, and the rod in his back, he really, he really gets after stretching now. And, and I think it's helped him a lot. Just, um, you know, take a hit and, you know, get up.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Now, and to that point, um, like John was saying, mobility is absolutely like a very crucial part of not just motocross, but every athlete's program. Um, but it, you also get to a point where there's only so much time in a day or each, you know, if you're working a nine to five job, you only have so much time each day. Um, and, you know, we can, you know, it, I think it's important to have mobility in every strength session, maybe even if it's just one or two exercises. Um, but also like from a time perspective, like you just can't, you can't beat like aerobic training just for, for motocross specifically. Cause you know, just training the heart and the lungs, that's a really big one you know, and then I think as you get older, um, you know, and you're losing muscle mass, like that's just, that's just kind of known like after the age of 30, you start to lose muscle mass. Um, strength training becomes even more and more of a priority and also just keeping those testosterone levels up too. So.
0: All right. Um, yeah. Sounds good. All right, guys. Uh, that's it. That's the, um, that's the end of the troll training question. Some good stuff in there. Smart, smart people out there. And, um, uh, you know, always, uh, yeah, really good. So um,
3: that was a good mix of questions.
0: It Kind of was, yeah. Thanks for everybody for submitting the questions. If we didn't get to it, uh, if we missed it or something, uh, we apologize. But trolltraining.com dot uh, com. Please check it out if you are interested in signing up. And you know, uh, you guys have Alex Ray this year. So if you know if he makes a comeback, gets back to his old level, you guys are going to get a lot of, you know, dedications on the podiums uh, from Ray. <laughs> so
2: yeah. I hope so. <laughs> Yeah, I hope so. It'd be it'd be sweet. Uh, maybe maybe we can change this company to not sketchy after yeah. this year.
0: Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah.
3: That'd be great.
0: <laughs> you could try that for sure. But I'm glad things are going well for you. And again, uh, trolltraining.com. Check it out. Uh, Alex Martin, John Wessling. Anything else, boys?
3: Ooh, no, I think that that about covered it. But I'm looking forward to hopefully we have some more of these. And um, I know I think that's kind of John and I our mission statement with this whole training thing is just to try and you know make this more affordable you know when i was i mean i never had a trainer until i think i was in star yamaha with gear responsible because i simply just didn't have the money mm-hmm. to afford a training program and um so yeah just to you know provide our wisdom and knowledge and the things we've learned to, to everyone at a more affordable price you know and hopefully we hopefully we make the sport a safer sport in the, in the long run
0: awesome well said uh thanks john Thanks, Alex. Appreciate it, guys. We'll talk soon, I'm sure.
3: Sounds good. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Steve.
1: This has been the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show, presented by Maxxis Tires, Renthal, Motorsport.com, and CUBA links on racerxonline.com. Thanks for listening and supporting our partners.